want to be taking your Bibles and keeping them there to Ephesians, a big portion of our sermon this afternoon is going to come right from this book, from the book of Ephesians. And as you also are doing so, if you would like to mark in your songbooks number 276, I, I think I, uh, I might have just heard that wrong. Uh, I'm sure that's what it was, but 276, we'll be singing that song in just a moment. Um, in the book of Ephesians, we see a lot of, uh, of interesting things, and there's obviously a lot of scripture that just really can, can take our minds, and we can just really try to wrap our minds around them, and just have an abundance of thought that comes from them. But in this passage, in what Eric just read for us, I see something that really caught my attention, something that, that I was really taken back by. If we go back just a little bit, we're going to start reading Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 15. And we get to 19, I want us to notice again what is said. But starting in verse 15, we're going to see that here Paul is, is saying this prayer for the Ephesians. And in verse 15 it says, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give, you, give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. In the eyes, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and then in verse 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him in his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, in these passages here, there's some really, really interesting things that are talked about. We, as he talks about or tells the Ephesians, he prays that they increase in their understanding concerning the hope of his calling. There's something certainly to be learned from that. Also, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. These are two really, really interesting thoughts to think of. But it was this third thought that really caught my attention. He says that he hopes that they will increase in understanding concerning the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. Leads me to ask the question, what kind of power is Paul preach, or is Paul speaking of here when he writes this? What kind of power is he talking about? And how is this power manifested towards us as believers in Christ? This afternoon, I hope to give an answer to these questions. And I want to begin by looking at the nature of God's power towards believers. So in, the, in these verses here, 19 and 20, we see that this power that is, that is shown towards believers... Verse 19, 20, we see it's the same power that worked in Christ. Verse 19, uh, as we read to, towards the end of that passage, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So the same power that, that, uh, that is of God's, that is towards us as believers, is also the same power which raised Christ from the dead, which gave life back into his lifeless body. <coughs> And then in verse 20, it goes on to say that it is also, at the, at the end of verse 20, is also the same power, which after it raised him from the dead, it seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. So once again, this same power that is discussed here towards us as believers is the power that exalted Christ to sit at his right hand 
And then the remainder of this chapter says that this power also put all things in subjection to Christ. It says, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, that every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. Now, I think we should just let this sink in for a minute. The same power which gave life to a crucified man, the same power which exalted him to the highest possible position in the universe and subjected everything on heaven and earth to his authority has been manifested towards us as believers in Christ. Now, as you set that, that thought think in, wow, as you let that thought sink in for just a moment, you might be wondering, how? How is this possible? How can that be? I've not been raised from the dead. I'd have to die first for that to happen. I'm not exalted by the right hand of God. So, so how is this possible? Well, as we read further into Paul's epistles to the Ephesians, he goes, uh, he goes and explains a lot more of this to us. He continues on and he shows us how God's power to us, this power that did all these things, it's manifested to us in our conversion. In chapter 2, in the first three verses, he says, And you, and you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the, one, and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. It says that we all walked, we all lived according to the manner of this world, according to the course of this world. So we lived according to the prince of the power of the air, that's Satan, or the spirit who now works in the ones of disobedience. We all lived under that way. And as such, we conducted our lives as according to the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of our mind. It says that we were just like the children of wrath. We were just like them. We were dead. Dead in trespasses. That's another way to put that. But we were made alive in Christ. Look in verse 4. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Though we were dead, God has resurrected us, made us alive by his grace in Christ. Paul explains how this happens in other places. If we'll, we'll hold our fingers here and, and consider Colossians 2, verses 12 through 13, which talks about how we are buried with him in baptism because we were dead in our trespasses. It talks about how because of that he has made us alive. Or Titus. Titus is another wonderful passage that shows this. Titus chapter 3, verse 3 through 8. In Titus 3, verse 3 through 8, we read, For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy. We were hateful and hated one another. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward men appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. Through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by His grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. 
What we see in these passages, like in Ephesians, is that we are saved. We, we are made alive again through baptism. Romans 6 even goes in to talk about this some. We'll, we'll glance over there at that. Romans 6, starting in verse 1, we're going to read through verse 7. It says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who die to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, and that we should, and that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. So yes, we were made alive in Christ. And Ephesians does remind us that it is, that it is by His grace that we were saved. But it is through this burial, because of this death that we suffered, and Christ's resurrection, or excuse me, and our resurrection, through the power that God shows towards us. But we were not just resurrected. We were not just made dead and then made alive. Like Christ was exalted to sit at the right hand of God, we too were exalted. Look in verse 6 now of Ephesians chapter 2. Back in Ephesians chapter 2, and in verse 6 he goes on to say, And raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We now sit together with Christ, who is seated at God's right hand, as it says in Ephesians 1, and verse 20. Now again, don't just read these words. Don't just hear this and go on. Allow this truth to sink in for a minute. The power that gave Christ life seated Him at the right hand of God, exalted Him above all others, is the same power that raised us from spiritual death. The same power that gave us a new life. The same power that exalted us to be with Christ in the spiritual realm. No lesser power could have made us alive after being dead in sin. You know, as we, as we are get, kind of coming out of this holiday season, one thing that I've noticed that we don't, we, don't have, we don't have cable or satellite, but when we're at a family member's house, one thing that I've noticed is on all the time are these big blockbuster, blockbuster movies that are being aired and just really being suck to dry because we can't get enough of them. These movies that are about superheroes. Movies that are about people that have this superhuman ability and this great power. This amazing power. We've seen movies about Iron Man and, and the Hulk. We've seen Spider-Man and Batman, who I would say is not a superhuman, but we'll, we'll glump him in there anyway. We've seen all these great movies, the Avengers. And the thing that is... is about all these people is how powerful they are. In fact, most of them, I believe, come from the comic book universe designated the name Marvel. Marvel. Why, why would you call it that? Because what other sense would you feel when you're surrounded by that sort of power? When you see someone do this superhuman feat, a flying robot, or, or someone that can climb up the side of a building like a spider, you would marvel at that. And there's nothing wrong with these movies. I, I don't want to, 
to go into um, bash these sort of movies that they are entertaining in, in some sense. But sometimes I do wonder. We have become so enthralled with that superhuman ability of, uh, that is, is fictional. It's not real, but we are so enthralled with it. We, we are so impressed. We are so marvelous of it. Do we forget about the non-fictional power? The true marvelous power? The amazing power? The divine power? Which Christ used or which Christ was raised from the dead and exalted by. The same divine power which gave us a new life. Both of these powers, through Christ's resurrection and through our resurrection, our new life, they involved a creation, a creative power. Ephesians 2 and verse 10 goes on and says, For we are His worksmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is truly an amazing, great power that, that created us, that took a dead, lifeless form in a tomb and brought it back to life. And it took our dead, lifeless form in this world that was, that was just so dirty and marred by sin and brought it to life and created it for a purpose, as we see in there in verse 10. In every single conversion, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is used towards one who obeys the gospel of Christ. Romans 1 and verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why is he not ashamed of it? For it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. It is the power of God. That is why we are not ashamed of the gospel, because it is his power. It is not of us. Or 1 Peter 1. 1 Peter 1 and verse 22. If we will flip over there and read that passage. We read, since you have been purified, your so since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. There is certainly an amazing, amazing power that works through these conversions. But there is more. There is also a power that works through our lives as Christians. We see that God's power is shown in the Christian life through the Spirit of God. Back over in Ephesians chapter 1, this time look in verse 13 and 14. It says, In Him you also trusted, after you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit for promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. We see the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is given to us as Christians as a guarantee. As a guarantee. We also see this in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 22 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 22 says, And who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. And we see it again in chapter 5 and verse 5. Now he, has prepared us for the, now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. We have a guarantee that is through the Spirit. That Spirit was given to us by God to strengthen us. Ephesians 3 and verse 16, as we're continuing in Ephesians, 
It says that he was given to us to strengthen our inner man. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. This is also seen again in Romans chapter 8, verse 12 and 13. And Romans 8, verse 12 and 13 says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. We have strength that comes through the Spirit. The Spirit that is given to us is a guarantee by God. And it is of a power that is completely uncomprehensible to us. When we think of something that is truly marvelous to us, this power is completely above all that we can comprehend. Look in Ephesians chapter, chapter 3 and verse 20. Chapter 3 and verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church of Christ Jesus, to all generations, forever and ever. To him that has the power to do more than we can possibly comprehend. More than we can ever ask for. More than we can ever think that we need. He has the power to do more than all that combined. And through this strength that He gives us. This guarantee that He gives us. This power that He gives us through the Spirit. We see that we are able to produce a certain sort of fruit in our lives. Galatians 5 verse 22 and 23 talks about this fruit that we produce. And the fruit of the Spirit. It says that we will be producing love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. The fruits that we produce, these fruits are directly related to the power that, that God gives us that is seen throughout our lives when we are living a Christian life flowing through the Spirit of God. But not just the Spirit do we see this power. We also see a power that comes through us through the armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6, over in verse 10, says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. This verse is so important to the Christian. Because there is times in our lives when we are absolutely going to be faced with something where we just feel like saying, I can't do it. I can't. It is too hard. It is beyond what I can handle. This, this is something that I just can't accomplish. But God is saying, you're right. That's why I put on my power. Because I can accomplish it. I can do it, and through me, you will be able to do it too. So put on my armor. Put on my armor and let my power be seen in your life. He goes on in verse 11 and 12. It says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against the flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of this darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Right now, there's this really big popular thing called prepping. Everybody wants to be a prepper. They want to be prepared for blank. They want to be prepared for an asteroid hitting the earth. They want to be prepared for Yosemite, or no, Yellowstone, excuse me, turning into a super volcano and setting off a thermal nu nuclear explosion that covers the U.S. In, in ash, and we go into a 
nuclear winter. I mean, they have all these crazy things that we have to be prepared for. We want to be prepared for the government running in and, and trying to control our lives, and we're going to fight back. And There's this huge idea of being prepared today. And that is the exact same idea that Paul was talking about here. He said, be prepared, but don't be prepared for these fleshly things. He said, it is not flesh and blood that you war and wrestle against. It is the principalities and powers of the darkness. It is spiritual things that you need to be preparing yourself for. And you have the power to do so. If you will just simply put on the armor of God. What is that? Verse 13 goes on to say, Take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Having done all to stand, stand therefore having girded your waist with truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith which with, excuse me, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me... That utterance may be given to me, that I may be open, my mouth bold, that my that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Do we see the power that is in this armor? Look at Paul and where he is at in his life. He is a prisoner. He is bound. He is in chains, and he doesn't say. Put on the armor and pray boldly for me that I may be released and not have to deal with this. He says, pray boldly for me that even though I am in this terrible circumstance where I am, I am chained up, I am bound, I am very possibly facing my death, I will still speak the truth. I will still serve God. That's the power that we see through the armor of God. Do we appreciate, do we appreciate the greatness of God's power towards those who believe? Do we thank Him for the amazing feats that He did in our conversion? Taking us out of death, placing us back into life, setting us up and exalting us with Christ. Do we look for Him in what we can do as living as Christians? Again, so oftentimes I'm reminded of uh, an instance that happened at a camp when my, my younger cousin was repelling. And, and we have these special devices that when you repel that, when you squeeze them, you stop. And when you let go of them, you go. And, and she got about halfway down and she got scared and she squeezed it as tight as she could and she came to a stop and she was crying. And she said, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't get down. And we were at the bottom just saying, just let go. Just, just let go, and you'll come down. And she, it, eventually, she, she's not still there. She, she finally let go, and she came down. But I, I couldn't help but think, that is us in our Christian lives. We say, I can't do it. I don't have the power to do it. And God is saying, just let go of your need to do things by yourself and rely on my power. Rely on me. And you can. Will we be more appreciative? Of that power. 
I believe we will if we will always remember that it is the same power that raised Jesus. And we will always remember that it is the exercise towards those of us who believe in our conversion and in our life. And that's why I believe Ephesians 6.10 is so important to the Christian. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. If you would, go ahead and take out your songbooks. Number 276, there is power in the blood. I hope this afternoon we have a better understanding of the power that truly is in the blood. The power that carries us over to a new life. That saves us from hell and from the the pains of being dead in Christ. Or dead in sin, excuse me. But rather raised and living in Christ. But I hope we also understand better that the power that was in that blood is the same power that pushes us and strengthens us and allows us to live a life that is pleasing to God and that glorifies His name and that brings others to Him and reflects that love and that light to the world. This morning, if there is some way in which we can help you, whether it be to become a child of God or whether it be to renew your relationship with Him, to be more focused on the power that He gives you and less focused on yourself. Is there some way that we can help you? I would encourage you, please come forward now. Understand.